There was nothing the Lewis, but lovey dove. Look at the Lewis funeral. Yeah. The uh, Mr. Fauci, who's the policymaker, for some odd reason, out of 365 million people, he's the only one that can tell us about this poison. And when put before Congress and when asked, should we cut back on the rioting, Black Lives Matter and all this business, he would not answer the question. Then he would come back and say, we need to social distance. We need to have no crowds. Then he was asked again, so we need to discourage rioting. He gave a stupid look and said, I don't know what you're wanting me to say. Um, crowd spreads the virus. And the guy said, so we need to, as a government, cut down on this rioting. He said, I'm not going to answer that question. So what does that tell you? What does that tell any sane person? It tells us that at a minimum, things that the talk is inconsistent. Well, see... See, he's he's just crafty, though. He's he's smart. He knows that that question is is really not for him to answer. And he answered the question, and the answer is avoid crowds, uh, social distance, uh, put a put a mask but hold on. on. So, but hold on, Doug. He didn't have any problem whatsoever telling us what to do. Right, and Indeed. and I get that. I get that, and like you know. Uh, again, um, political rallies, you know, all of these other things, um, that's, 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 that's just totally ignored as to, or no, I mean, if it's a Republican rally or a Republican political event, why that, you know, that has to be made the example that is, is violating all of the known rules, but not the, not the rioting, well, not the looting. How about going to school? That's a good one. Should the kids go to school? Well, I just uh, happened to catch, uh, we've got Antenna TV, and uh, we uh, turned that on for for mother, so she has something to, to listen to, and although she doesn't, but tonight, <laughs> she acted like she knew what was being said, and wanted us to quiet down so she could hear it. But I think the NBC News had, uh, maybe it was ABC, um, had something about um, children getting the virus. So I, I couldn't, I didn't watch it or whatever, but I saw the opening headlines that they were going to discuss was four or five things, and one of them was children getting the virus. So so I, I'm sure that that's going to be the thing that they're going to continue to start up. There, it'll be the next thing is to say that yeah, children are in fact getting the virus, and and uh, we have people all over these administrations. Like I sent you that text a couple weeks back, or a couple months, 
and said, you know, there are so many people in these administrative uh, agencies, they will do anything and they will skew numbers, they'll, they'll make a report that they're seeing cases of, you know, uh, of children being infected. Nobody will know any of these children that are infected and even if they come up with one or two of them, uh, it's got to be probably most likely propaganda. So. It doesn't quit. These guys don't quit. And it's like I've been saying to people all along, if we're going to go at this one election at a time, there's no way we win. No way. Because right. when, when, when those who seek power and know how and have been doing it routinely for decades upon decades, from generation to generation, they will accomplish seizing the power because it is what they do, it's what they know how to do, and they will compromise every level of every intention to prevent its occurrence. So um, that may sound fait accompli, it may sound negative. Uh, I just, I've got history on my side. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So, uh, one election at a time, no, this, this whole system, the way I see it, and I've been really frustrated about the whole thing because I don't think people still recognize how devastating this Constitution has been to this republic what was a republic, uh, you know, 240 years ago is nowhere near a republic today. We, we get that. We know that. We understand that. But obviously, just like I said when we started out, I think the nation is divided. It's obvious. And out of that division, if we've still got 50% that are somewhat awake, out of that 50, only 20% of them are actually really awake. And uh, the other 30 could be swayed. And it'll only take one or two things to sway them. So um, we have a problem in this country that people are still holding on to this constitution and it, it is totally destroying the country. And Look at what's happened with Supreme Court decisions of late. Um, in spite of everything that we are told election after election about the importance of good judges, we don't know these judges. We've never met these judges. The decisions, it's like I said with this last one, we had every reason not to want that guy on the bench. And I got ready to put together an audio to, to lay that case out. And it was just, by the time I did my research on his court rulings and everything else, I was burnt and spent on it. And, of course, he was getting the nomination. And, you know, it's, it, it, once again, just and because... Trump, and yep. Trump did it. Yep. No mistake and he did it based on people who are advising and 
it may not even be this constitutional system that necessarily, it's like I've said before, when God said, you know, give them their king, you know, it's not me that they, you, it's not you that they've rejected, it's, it's me that they've rejected. And um, it doesn't, he, God essentially said, look, it doesn't matter whether you have a constitutional republic or a king, a dictatorship or whatever it is, as long as you're abiding with me and you put me in the forefront, uh, I'll be with you. And that is a tremendous promise that you have to scratch your head and, and think, how could God do this? How could he be willing to do that when we would be willing to essentially take up any kind of form of, of, of governance, if you will, and uh, he'd still be with us if, if we would just abide with him. And well, uh, I, I want to I want to uh, point out something because you've been you've been sending us to Luke two a lot, haven't you? Well, Luke was chapter Zachari- one was Zechariah's prophecy. Yeah, yeah, Luke chapter one. This uh, this came to me, and I think it's maybe self-evident, but <clears throat> maybe not. Uh, one thing Cindy mentioned, and we, I guess, first time we'd seen it, it said John the Baptist did not drink liquor or wine. Have you ever noticed that? Yep. Okay, the other thing is... Uh, Several times in the, during the parables, Jesus would say, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. And it, it just dawned on me, and like I said, I'm pretty slow, but he was saying, this message is for Israelites only. And if you're not one of us, you're not going to understand what I'm saying. I mean, in order to have ears to hear, you had to have sheep ears for his flock. You understand what I'm saying? Uh, I do. And and one of the reasons I would say that that is absolutely correct is because only the law was only given to Israel. Well, you know, it's uh, it's pretty pretty interesting when you get things in context, isn't it, Doug? It is. And uh, another one other thing here um, that lie that was told in chapter three. It hasn't really changed. I was telling my wife, if you analyze the way the lie works from our adversaries is the first thing they do is they say, when you say, God said don't do this, the first thing they do is they say, no, that's that's not really what he said. So the first move the adversary does is they lie. They lie about God's word, and Jesus said he was a liar from the beginning, didn't he? Mm-hmm. About that 
spirit of lie, that adversarial thing there. And so he says, uh, he says, your God's a liar. And they all do this. And the next thing they say is, is they say, no, this is, this is the reason he told you that lie. And if you won't, if you'll go ahead and do what he told you not to do, you're going to receive all these benefits. And what motivated him to tell you that was he doesn't like competition, and he knows that if you uh, if you do this thing, you'll gain understanding and you'll become like him. And it just keeps on going and going, doesn't it? Today, one one big fat whopper, as they yeah, say. Yeah, uh, I, I told Cindy. I said we could start with the Ten Commandments and do every one of them just like that. That crafty, deceiving beast did, like murder. You know. Uh, you're getting ready to shoot somebody, and you go, I can't do that. God said don't murder, and hear, it, hear that voice comes. Well, yeah, actually you can. You can do that. Uh, go ahead and do it. You know, on every single law and ordinance, there is a, there is a counter spirit that, that will attack. And here's the thing about it, Doug. I, this was one of God's greatest creations, craftiest creations created to test his prime creation. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. he spent all this time on Adam and Eve, I guess, or hopefully, or whatever, and, and now he's put them in this utopian world and he said to himself, I need to run a check on these people. I need to run a test, just like every good creator does. And this we sounds like she failed the first test, doesn't it? I don't we don't have record of any other success story. But but the deceiver was real good. She bent on it. And he the the Adam bit he he bit on it too. So from the beginning I don't know to say if that's a flaw in the creation or what, but it certainly when he created he wanted a non robot, didn't he? Uh yeah, and um I think what you're saying was it a flaw in the creation or what? And I think the answer is unequivocally no. It is the creation. It, it in the aspect of the creation, there has to be, and there was built in, if you will, because of God's nature the full ramification, which means you have that spirit or that image that is like the creator. So 
what I'm saying is that um, there was an expectation that there would be this necessity. In fact, I think when you when you actually start getting into Revelation, in fact, I was in Revelation 4 this, this weekend. Uh, um, Revelation chapter 4, um, we're, we're getting the vision revealed to John about the throne that was set in heaven as 4 goes out or begins. And the important thing to glean as you continue on in Revelation 4 is that it says at 4.11, um, you know, it's important to understand that he's going to get some information here in 4.6-11. And I don't want to get into it right now, but they say basically, holy, holy, holy there at, at 8, which was Lord God Almighty, which was and is and is to come, when those beasts give glory and honor and thanks to him that sat on the throne who lives forever and ever, the four and twenty elders fall down before him that sat on the throne and worshiped him that lives forever and ever and cast their crowns before the throne, saying, 11, Thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power, for thou hast created all things, and for thy pleasure they are and were created. Now, I don't know how many times people have read that. I think for the most part, people don't read Revelation because they don't understand. And anytime they're in Revelation, they've usually got an evangelical preacher that is telling them about the Antichrist and um, uh, just reading the scripture itself, so much of what's in it is revealed as to what it is. You know, for example, what are the seven spirits? You know, or you know, things of this nature that are that are, you know, it's written and then it and it tells you, you know, this is what the beast is, or this is what, you know, the. the the seven horns represent the seven spirits of God, you know, and things like this. So you've got stuff that's revealed, but, you know, the church world has done such a good job of making people believe that the scriptures are not understandable that for the most part people don't really even seek to understand them, which in and of itself is problematic. Rich, I didn't mean to ignore you here. Good evening. Good evening, guys. But, you know, I was just thinking about what you said, Russell, about that thought. You know, gosh, this 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 adversarial uh, situation, uh, talking about Eve, Eve's deception and, you know, was this a flaw kind of a thing? And when I read scriptures like this, thou hast created all things, and for thy pleasure they are and were created, then, then there's a purpose. And, and that purpose was known. It was already understood, predestined, if you will, preplanned, if you will, whatever the 
proper verbiage is, I don't know. But, um, and that opens my mind to acknowledge that, you know, this is a creator who at the moment of creation and at the intended points in the creation where he has made determinations. It's just like understanding in, in Genesis where the whole creation is basically at that point he says it repented him that he had created mankind, you know, and so then he causes a flood uh, to destroy a greater portion of it, preserving, you know, Noah and his sons and and their family. Um, he's fully acknowledging an understanding of his created, if you will, and how they're going to need to be constantly nurtured, tutored, and so forth. And then when he ultimately moves to the intention to bless a group of people and and says that that he sees them as as being good, you know, this Abrahamic covenant, that's an, another key point in him standing back and watching the created in the creation and um, saying, you know, this this man here and his descendants, I, I'm going to work a plan with. I'm going to work a plan and I'm going to execute it. And one of the things that I guess I was kind of toying with this week is everybody knows John 3.16. And I wonder sometimes if people read beyond 3.16. Because I'd like to start with 3.16 and read 3.16 to 21. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. 17. For God sent not his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. Now, I wonder, just for starters, how many Christians who can quote 316 know, understand, and can acknowledge 317, that he didn't send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but rather that the world through him would not perish, but would be saved. So in other words, we were on a trajectory to perish. You see what I'm saying? I'm using Russell's theology, which is, well, let's just take the adverse here. And that's the way I see it. We were on a a trajectory for destruction. Absolutely. Well, then, go ahead. About where we are today. Right. And so so what can we glean from 316? God loved the world, number one. So just think about that. Just think about that. He loved the world. 
okay, world in this translation or in the scriptures is cosmos, meaning the 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 created universe, essentially the the whole of the totality of the creation or the earth or everything there. And then second, secondly, he gave his only begotten son. But now, I want to take you to 1 John chapter 2. And I, I want to really take you to your core. John, 1 John chapter 2, verse 15. Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. Now, what do you guys think about that? What's the first thing that comes comes over your being? What's the first thing that comes into your head? Just now finding it. First John, First John verse 15. Hear it one more time. First John chapter two verse fifteen. What comes to my mind is is it's obvious our ways are not God's ways. Uh, and I mean that comes to my mind when I hear things that I do not understand. Some behaviors of God just like you said previously, uh, things go a certain way because that's his pleasure. That's his will. And doesn't he say that we are not going to understand his will all the time? Well, see, I, I cheated on you. I didn't I didn't cheat on you intentionally, but... You guys know me well enough to know that to take a scripture, one scripture, and not imp- not uh, relate it in its context, then what have I done? You pull it out of context. You pull exactly. It yeah, I just I just did what everybody else does in the church world, and. And the interesting part about this is, because, see, this is one of these seeming contradictory things. And, and again, I think this goes right to what you're saying, Russell, because I really do believe that when we think about God and this creation, we've got to open our heads really wide in, in a sense of, you know, understanding that we can't even, you know, fully comprehend contemplate so when he tells me that he so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son and then one of his apostles tells me don't love the world i'm really in a quandary so i have to ask huh i said maybe we're talking about two different worlds well maybe we're talking about something that we don't know what we're talking about there you go. And so if the apostle is going to say something, then I've got to ask the apostle 
to explain himself. Well, 316. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. That's 1 John chapter 2, verse 16. So now, what is your conclusion, Russell? Uh, I, I mean, your first, your, first conclusion, your first conclusion was not incorrect at all. But here he is defining here he is defining what he means by the word world, doesn't he? Yeah, apparently so. It's all right there for us. Lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, and the pride of life, he says, This is not of the Father, but is of the world. All right, well I don't have any problem with that because I know the lust of the flesh is a is not of the father it's not a good thing that's loving that's loving something of the of the flesh that it's it's not of god i want to love god with all that being i want to understand the magnanimity of of him and his creation and i want to love that i want to give thanks for the things that he gives me does that not make me love him more and does that not take away the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life? And so my point is, is that just because that scripture says that, we have to understand why the Apostle John is saying what he's saying. We have to understand the speak and the language of the day. And it's always there, but I can't use the Apostle Paul to define or to use it to understand what the Apostle John is writing. I have to use the Apostle John's own words, his own thinking, his own style, and that's how I have to come to the conclusion on that. And there's the definition right there of what to him is a love of the world. And yet we have preachers out there day in and day out telling us not to love the world and their implication of loving the world is don't have anything to do with it. In fact, you know, uh, there's going to be a great rapture and you're going to go fly away. This world's not your home. You're just here temporary. And that's why they don't teach about the kingdom of God is because they're too busy teaching a false theology based on false understandings, incorrect understandings of the scriptures at large. Or they know what they're doing, one of the two. It's not, it's not God's creation It's what we do with the creation that draws us away from God. Does that make sense? Sure. Violating his laws and how to live in the creation. Absolutely. And I believe that's why they stay away from the kingdom 
of God on this earth is because it makes them have to be responsible. And the clergy has to be responsible when the sheep step out of line. And they have to rein and pull the sheep back in. And so we're looking here at our country, can't understand what we need to do, and yet it's the church that's ultimately going to, I, I use the word loosely, save the country. Because if the Christian is not going to, if the Christian is not going to carry out the duty and the responsibility that the name Christian implies and conveys, and uh, I'm looking for the word besides what it means, but that's it. You're going to take the name of the King of Kings. And that's another part of this whole thing. We have that Luke chapter 1, just what you mentioned. Luke chapter 1. I, I just, I'm, I'm having more and more and more love and respect for that passage of scriptures than 67 through 76. 77, Zacharias was filled with the Holy Ghost and prophesied, saying, Blessed be the Lord God of Israel, for he has visited and redeemed his people. Again, that's a reference to Jeremiah 3.8. This is New Testament. He's raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant David, as he spoke by the mouth of his holy prophets, which have been since the world began, that we should be saved from our enemies, and from the hand of all that hate us, to perform the mercy promised to our fathers and to remember his holy covenant, the oath which he swore to our father Abraham, that he would grant unto us that we being delivered out of the hand of our enemies might serve him without fear in holiness and righteousness before him all the days of our life. Thou, child, shall be called the prophet of the highest, for thou shalt go before the face of the Lord to prepare his ways, to give knowledge of salvation unto his people by the remission of their sins through the tender mercy of our God. I mean, doesn't that just make every Christian minister say, I walk in the name of Christ and as I walk in the name of Christ the king of kings has redeemed us from the hand of all that hate us and he's given us a commission to go into all the world and carry out the kingdom plan So I, I, you know, I guess I don't know that I had anything specifically tonight because, you know, sometimes you just get in one of these things and you just don't know really where to go, but you know what you've been, you know, 
have them laid on your heart, and and that doesn't even give you so much that you can go with, I guess. But I'm sitting here thinking of, you know, John 3.16, and I didn't even get through uh, 3 to 21, so let's go back there. And then I'll try to maybe carry it out a little bit farther in terms of what I was thinking, but... John 3, 16, I'll go ahead and read 16, 17 again, and I'll continue to 21. For God so loved the world, and that really should be Yahweh, for Yahweh so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever, that is one of the 7,000 places that the name was removed. Yahweh so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. For Yahweh sent not his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. He that believes on him is not condemned, but he that believes not is condemned already, because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. Let's just stop on that one. You know, I've told you about the email that I got said that, you know, they know that the Jews killed Christ and and they don't want to listen to, a, a, you know, an hour or hour and a half of stuff that they don't want to listen to that they don't believe. And I got another email recently telling me to take them off of the mailing list. So I sent them back and I said, have I offended as a Christian? Did you not want to correct me? I've got hundreds of audios. Will you correct me as to where I am am in error? I mean, everybody knows that in order to stop somebody from sending an email, you just hit the spam button and that email forevermore is never to be seen in your inbox. So the purpose of sending somebody an email to tell them that, I view, and I'm beginning to understand more, that it's actually a cry for help. Or it's a slap in the face. Yeah, one of the two. And and so so I'm looking at, at, at 318 that we just read. I mean, what is the problem with this? These are the words of Christ himself. He that believes on him is not condemned, but he that believes not is condemned already. I can name people right now today that are spewing from the pulpit that we're to keep our eye on Israel and those Jews in Israel because that's where the Antichrist is going to rise out of. And... That may very well be true. He already did. Exactly. Because not only that may very well be true, they may also not understand when the time comes that it's going to lead them into further despair because they don't have a love for the truth and they're following somebody that believes not and is condemned already. And that fellowship 
message or maybe it was, I think I just sent that one out. I was really inspired and moved to do that audio, beware lest you die in your sins. And I would encourage anybody listening to these audios, if you have not listened to that one, go listen to that one. It's that important. And if I am wrong, then tell me where I'm wrong. Correct me. He that believed on him is not condemned, but he that believes not is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. Where am I going wrong, Rich? What is so difficult about that? Well, he didn't why, would I want to fo- why would I want to follow somebody who does not believe in the name of the only begotten Son of God? Well, he said he didn't come to condemn the world. They're condemning themselves. Not believing on his name. And that tells me another thing, which is this whole thing about loving the world. If God loved the world and the scripture says that he created it, here, somebody grab Isaiah chapter 45, verse 17 to 19. Um, there's more in Isaiah 45. Uh, uh, Genesis 131. I'll flip to Genesis real quick. Genesis one thirty one. God saw everything that he had made and behold it was very good and the evening and the morning were the sixth day. So he he saw that everything that he had made was was good. Very good. Who's got Isaiah forty five? I'm going there. I'm there. I've got it. Give it to us. 17 to 19, and then I'll hit the next three. Okay. But Israel will be saved by the Lord with an everlasting hold it, hold salvation. It, hold, it, hold it. Hold it. What did you say, Jeremiah? Say that a little louder with a little more inflection. Um, but Israel will be saved by the Lord with an everlasting salvation. Keep going. For this is what the Lord says. He who created the heavens, he is God. He who fashioned and made the earth, he founded it. But did not create it to be empty, but formed it to be inhabited. He says, I am the Lord, and there is no other. I have not spoken in secret from somewhere in a land of darkness. I have not said to Jacob's descendants, seek me in vain. I, the Lord, speak the truth. I declare what is right. Twenty-two. Look unto me and be saved, all the ends of the earth, for I am God and there is none else. I have sworn by myself, the word has gone out of my mouth in righteousness, and shall not return, that unto me every knee shall bow, every tongue shall swear, dropping down to 25, in the Lord shall all the seed of Israel be justified, and shall glory. 
So the earth is good. The world is good. I created it to be inhabited. I'm telling you that I so love the world that I put my only son to come to save the world, not to condemn it, because it was condemned already, obviously. Well, <clears throat> you, uh, you brought up earlier that thing about the kingdom. Remember? Yeah. And uh, I want to read this to you and get your opinion on this. Because we're talking about the same guy that we were talking about earlier in Luke. This is the one about whom it is written. This is Luke 7 and 20, 27. Behold, where, where, are you at? Where, where, where are you at, Luke? Luke seven twenty-seven. All right, go. I, I send my messenger before your face who will prepare you, will prepare your way before you. I say to you, among those born of women, there is no one greater than John. Yet, he who is least in the kingdom of God is greater than he. So, it occurred to me those standards to get in that kingdom are pretty, pretty rigid. Amen. If you think about that verse, mm-hmm. uh, John was a pretty great guy there. And when you talk about the least in the king, kingdom of God being greater than he, That kingdom is a special place, isn't it? Oh, it sure is. And then go down to 31. To what then shall I compare the men of this race, and what are they like? They don't get us. Basically, basically what this 32 to 35, they... They've misjudged. And I'm talking about our adversary. Mm-hmm. Adversaries. Just another thought. You know, there's so yeah. much in this Bible that we go back and read and it's like we've never seen it before. Yeah, it it has a way of of living and breathing every day, doesn't it? It does. Sure does. You know what's interesting? That passage you read about John being least in the kingdom, one of the differences between him and us is we were baptized into Jesus Christ and John wasn't, or it isn't recorded that he was he baptized Jesus Jesus was baptizing with fire there's kind of a different baptism going on that probably ranks you in the kingdom that's an interesting thought that I had not thought of 
Well, and the context of the scripture as well, uh, Rich makes the point, and it's probably worthy of clarification, that we not skip 29. And I believe that's probably kind of why Rich is speaking about that. All the people that heard him and the publicans justified God being baptized with the baptism of John. But the Pharisees and lawyers rejected the counsel of God against themselves being not baptized of him. Now I have drawn a line and an arrow to verse 35 and uh, uh, chapter 935 I will say and in 9.35, this is where it says, there came a voice out of the cloud saying, this is my beloved son, hear him. These are the scriptures that I try to put together when I'm teaching about baptism because um, you know that's one of the important things, as Rich said, is that you know we don't have a record of of John the Baptist having been baptized and certainly was not baptized in the same sense that Christ was baptized. Um, when you think so what about... This, what you're noting there is that being baptized with the baptism of John is a, a whole different thing than what these Pharisees and law, lawyers and this race of people had been baptized. It's possible they've been baptized that wasn't the no. baptism that we're talking no. about. No, 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 because no. remember verse 30 says, but the Pharisees and lawyers rejected the counsel of God against themselves being not baptized of him. So, yeah. so what they, they were too they were too wise and too smart to to be baptized by this this little, you know, person uh, you know, of of minimal clothing eating uh, you know, locusts and honey, you know, in the wilderness. And that's how the whole thing starts out is what what you into the wilderness to see. A reed shaking in the wind? No. No, he knows what they went to see. You went out to see. A man clothed in soft raiment? Behold, they were gorgeously apparelled and lived delicately in king's courts. What what you out to see? A prophet? Yea, I say to you, much more than a prophet. So he's, he's telling them, because you would not believe the person who was sent before me. telling you yeah. of me, you wouldn't even be baptized by him. You think I'm going to baptize you? <laughs> That's my, my what he was saying. Is, I, yeah, but my point is, is, it's possible that they had baptisms back in those times. That's what I've heard. But the baptism that John was doing was a different baptism. I may be wrong because and there is a legitimate baptism and we see it today. There, 
lots of people get baptized, some of them at three months old. Right, yeah. But that is not... Well, our, our former pastor used to say that he, he says that a particular way to cover all his bases and make sure it's a correct baptism. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And it says here, for themselves not having been baptized by John, they're out in the they're out in the cold. They don't get it. They may have been sprinkled. Well, and again, I look at the scripture. He's basically telling them, you know what? This John the Baptist that you refuse to be baptized by, let me tell you something. As great as he is, uh-huh. as great as he is, that you ought to have been baptized by him, as great as he is that you ought to have been baptized by him, he's least in the kingdom. So what does that make you? That's what he's saying. That's what he's saying. Because see, those Pharisees and those lawyers, they think they're at the top of the kingdom. They think that they are adorned with the robes of righteousness. That's the point he's making. Yes, and to reiterate, and when all the people and the tax gatherers heard this, Jesus made that statement. Mm-hmm. They all agreed God's justice, having been baptized with the baptism of John. So that I thought that was interesting that they all agreed on one point, didn't they? Yeah. God's justice. Yeah, it's, uh, you know, yeah, like you said, you know, it, 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 it makes you take stock. Uh, my sister and I had a short email change, exchange this week, too, and, and um, um, you know, our comments to each other were basically that how thankful we are knowing and, and being able to know and understand that that he gave his life that that we would be able to be forgiven um, and just that 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 thinking if you have a heart after Christ you realize how unworthy of of having to be, you, you realize how worthy being covered, um, how how unworthy you are to be covered, I guess is what I should be saying, and yet so humbled by the fact that he was willing to do it, and all he's now asking me to do is to believe but that's not all that he's asking me to do. He's asking me to believe and go in a spirit of righteousness and do no more wickedness. Contemplate it not. Think about it. You know, don't don't do any of those things. And and that's where the church world is, you know, just believe. Just believe. Another one of those scriptures where if I want to take a scripture right out of 
you know, context, then I can safely say we're all supposed to go out and, you know, uh, get a rope and hang ourselves and do thou likewise because that's what Judas did. You know? Huh? Yeah. That's a, that one's a real reach. <laughs> yeah, that's an overreach of your authority. Are <laughs> you going to be somewhat cunning? That wasn't cunning. <laughs> so, like I said, I guess for me, the you know, all I could do this week was was try to um reconcile something in my mind about this this whole thing about loving the world and and not loving the world and um since since they seem so diametrically opposed i knew there had to be something wrong with it you know that that i i either uh need to look at the translation i either need to look at the word that was used world understand the context for the word and whether or not the word was used correctly as translated oh. and then if i need and then if i needed to understand something about the historical context and the timing and it was like as i began to contemplate those things when i just wrote down 316 and i said god so loved the world and he gave his only begotten son. Those two things right there spoke to me in volumes, you know. And it's like the rest of this has to be incorrect. Something is not squaring. And so as I began to look at it, then, as I say, I started to think about it without even reading further in John chapter, First John chapter uh, uh, 2, and and said, well, wait a minute. There he is. He's telling me right there what that means, you know. And so I thought I would share that little bit there. And it's interesting, well, actually, in first... I'm sorry. Go ahead, Russell. Well, since we're in the middle of all this racial strife and false accusations that are made every day about white people, I wish maybe you could help me with verse 31 through 35. And what I need help with is this word generation. What are we in, Luke? Luke, yeah. And it looks like to me it says, To what then shall I compare the men of this race and what are they like? Now, am I misreading that? All right, you're in which chapter? 731. Oh, still in 731. Yeah, well, okay, that's one of those that, you know, my King James translation uses the word generation. Uh, Yours uses the word race. And um, let's uh, get the strong. So are we getting a description of a race? And 32, 33, and 34? Uh, yeah, I mean, it's just like the man of sin. I mean, this this takes us right back to Second Thessalonians. And, I mean, 
I mean, it looks clear that he's saying, uh, what are they like? These non-Israelites, I guess you would say. And then he goes on to say, this is what they are like. And he describes some things. And uh, you want to read them? (laughs) Or you want me to? Go ahead. They are like children who sit in the marketplace. Okay, so he's comparing here. This is what I compare the men of this generation of race. This is what they're like. So he's trying to tell us something here, isn't he? They're like little children who sit in the marketplace, call one to another, and they say, we played the flute for you and you did not dance. We sang a dirge and you did not weep. For John the Baptist has come eating no bread and drinking no wine, and you say, he has a demon. The Son of Man has come eating and drinking, and you say, behold, a gluttonous man and a drunkard, a friend of tax gatherers and sinners. Yet wisdom is vindicated by all her children. Now, unwrap that if you can. Sounds like a Trump attacker, doesn't it? (laughs) Well, it's interesting, isn't it? Their expectations are way off. No matter what you do, you're wrong. Yeah, they've misjudged us, haven't they? I would say so. It looks like John the Baptist is simply controlling himself. And by controlling himself, they say he has a demon because he's, he's not like us is what they're saying. And then they go to the Son of Man, and because he uh, is a friend of tax gatherers and sinners, he's got a problem. And we're to compare them to children who uh, have misjudged (laughs) who they're performing to. And so this is what these men are like. It doesn't. Say, it doesn't say they were a real smart bunch, does it? Verse thirty-five says, "Yet wisdom is vindicated by all her children." Is that? Looking at the word generation. Um. Uh, it is uh, Greek genius, uh, G-E-N-E-A-S, uh, noun, genitive, from genos, a generation by implication and age. And um, if I go to the Strong's word itself, 
uh, which is it's it's spelled Y E V E A S, uh, so it would be Yeneas in the in the Greek or Ye Yeneak Yevak. Well, the same um, word they accused Noah of being perfect in his generation. Yeah, I, I, I mean that. That's yeah. It's definitely coming from the genus of generation, which is, um, you know, twofold, twofold. Either uh, the race or um, this, this, as, as it's used in this particular one by implication and age. So as it's used here, um, if we were to say, the men of this age, whereunto then shall I liken the men of this age? And to what are they like? They're like unto children sitting in the marketplace, calling to one another, saying, we've piped, you haven't heard, you've not danced, we've mourned to you, you've not wept. And... John the Baptist came neither eating bread nor drinking wine, and you say he's he's got a devil. The son of man has come eating and drinking, and you say, behold, a gluttonous man, a wine-bibber, a friend of publicans and sinners, but wisdom is justified of all her children. So, um, you know, that's something that they obviously don't even begin to contemplate, and he has no intention of them contemplating it. Um, but what he said preceding that is is the definitive information that he you know he he's telling them, you know, you this is he of whom it is written, Behold, I send my messenger before your face, which shall prepare the way before you. And they could not even receive him. So even though they know even though they understood the scripture, supposedly. And I think that's the, the way we find things today, is that even though there are those in the clergy that seem to understand scripture and seem to know, it's like when we think of our, our political class, our political you know, people, and we think, what is wrong with these people? They're so smart and so wise ostensibly, and how dumb can they be to do the things that they do? You know, it's mind-boggling to us. We all know that we cannot run our households 35 to 45% off of a credit card. There's going to be a day of reckoning, and yet these guys do it with impunity. So, in the same sense, this is exactly what Christ is saying to them: is that, you know, here you are, full of wisdom, full of all this knowledge and understanding, and yet you're bereft of any kind of wisdom and knowledge to even understand the man that standing before you is he that was sent who the prophet said would be sent before. So not only does he tell them that this is the prophet that was to be sent before, 
the guy that's actually telling him about the prophet is the one who is to come after, and they can't receive it either. You see what I'm saying? Yep. Absolutely, completely blinded by their what? By their position, by their power and authority, by the lust of their eyes and the lust of their flesh and the pride of life. They can't even remotely come close to receiving the love of the truth. And so back to your point, Russell, is I think this is where I was at, is I found myself writing this in my notes, and that is that redemption and creation are bound together. It, it, it was just the way it was going to be. And I don't, you know, have any better explanation of that. It's just that they are, in fact, bound together. They're, they're, in the moment in which he created, he redeemed. He knew he would redeem. And I mean that literally. It was he who did redeem. And the fact that Abraham was somebody that that God looked at as being somebody that he was willing to work his kingdom plan and administration of the creation through, that's just awesome. And, you know, when you think about those that he says are greater than John the Baptist, I've got to believe there's a few of those men there that are probably in that category. Yeah. So I don't know. You know, like I said, I, I, I suppose it doesn't have any real great pizzazz and any real great splash um, but basically what I take away then is that God does love this world, and not only does he love this world, he wants us to love it too. He loves it for the purposes of his pleasure, as Revelation 4.11 tells us. It was all created for him and for his pleasure, and, you know, and that insults the intelligence of a lot of the intelligentsia. Well, he loves it for all the right reasons. Exactly. And I don't even know what intelligentsia is anymore because I'm not seeing a lot of it. You know, Doug and Rich, you think about all the times in your life when you've worked manual labor. And if you're like me, you're still doing it. But you get lots of time to think as you work and mull over things and and you actually get gratitude you learn how to get gratitude thankfulness for the little things and you learn to appreciate things 
a lot, like a drink of water. And that builds character, doesn't it? So if you've never, ever had want for anything and never had to lift a finger for anything, what kind of character do you have? Do you have like this boy over in England that married this half-breed who seemingly just knows nothing about life? I mean, is that what it produces? And and then you think of the scripture... The, the father that spares the rod hates his child. Yeah. What it says. Mm-hmm. I think it produces brain damage. It does, doesn't it? it? It's You took the words right out of my mouth. It produces destruction. And, and that's going back to where we started, Doug. That deceiver and that liar... His ultimate goal is destruction of the creation. And we must never forget that. You've heard the rule of war is kill or be killed. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of that's kind of really true, isn't it? Yeah. And we're at a time in America where... We're, we're under siege right now, and these lame brains think, wow, if he doesn't get reelected again, it's really going to get bad. It's bad. He's there. They haven't respected him since day one. Exactly. They are our enemy. They must be destroyed, or this will linger on ad infinitum. Why doesn't somebody bring charges against the criminals in Congress? Nancy Pelosi's lied to other congressmen. This Nader guy's a fraud, whatever his name is, the one that produced, that that led over the hearing. Why aren't some of them being charged? Because it's a nation of lawlessness. You have the colored folk marching around doing whatever they want. Then you have the dumb bunny like me that doesn't wear a mask and faces a $250 fine. That's not law. That's lawlessness. I can't think of a more lawlessness place than Washington, D.C. Think about it. They're going to give me a ticket for not having a seatbelt? And pat theirself on their back. And yet, this Comey fellow can create the most hideous crime known to the United States. And writes a book and gets rich. These lame brain, mind dead zombies can wander around tearing up private property. Who's charging them with a crime? They're killing people. Let me ask you this, Rich. I know, I know that uh, that Doug did not see this. Did you see the rest of the video on the George guy that was released today? See, no, I haven't seen it. Okay. Well, once you see that, you will stand in amazement at how they let this guy live as long as they did. He fought and resisted arrest for thirty minutes. Ah. He 
What took him so long to soak him? And 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 if you if you look at that, he didn't die from that guy's knee. He was saying, "I can't breathe." The whole time, from the minute they approached him on the sidewalk, and said, "Let's see what you're carrying." He said, "I can't breathe. I can't breathe." He was on uh, the what's it called? Phenol something, some drug. Sure, phenol barbitol. Phenol barbitol. Something that's well, whatever, whatever it was, sure. But as a policeman, you're you're charged to go out and arrest bad people. There's no no doubt this was a bad person. They put him in the car. He squirted out the other side. They drug him back in, and he squeaked and he hollered the whole time, "I can't breathe." Why wasn't this on the national news all day long? George Floyd, that's his narrative. Uh, I just, I'm, I'm laughing, I'm laughing, I'm laughing because I'm so glad that I never even watched the video because what you have just told me now is that there isn't four minutes or seven minutes or nine minutes of, of the officer's you know, knee on, on the guy's neck, we've actually got 31 minutes of resisting arrest. Yes, and over <laughs> and over and over you have a policeman saying, just cooperate with me. Yeah, yeah. And, we and we're going to convict, we're going to convict, the, we're going to convict that cop of first degree murder, aren't we? Not only that, we're going to change, uh, we're going to change buildings in Washington to George Floyd buildings. We're going to put up George Floyd uh, statues all over America. And this dumbass bunch like us on the phone is going to just sit here and watch it happen. You know, it's like I said. It's like I say. Um, I'm, it's going to take the Christian who really, truly gets it and understands that's going to rise up and reinstitute the law of God. And that is, the, that is the kingdom commission. And that is what the church world will not teach. You know, I'm convinced that the reason they don't teach the kingdom and rather the future I'll fly away um, doctrine, I'm convinced that the reason they don't teach it is because to teach it, they would have to admit that Israel exists, number one. And number two, where Israel is in the creation. And number three, how about this one? Matthew chapter 2, verse 6. And thou, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, art not the least among the princes of Judah, for out of thee shall come a governor that shall rule my people Israel. You know, we did that fellowship series, Israel, Judah, and Jew. And I think it was seven or eight fellowships long. And 
the the understanding of who Israel is and the commission that we are under, I can understand why there's some people. I know there's some people in Europe right now. I watched a video from a guy that sent out, and he's basically talking about uh, we just need to go forward and do things. But I'm not sure he was actually a Christian. He he basically was uh, the philosophical bill, view, if you will, is that we as white people just go forward and do what we need to do. And I can understand that has an attractive uh, pitch to a lot of people, um, and it has an attractive pitch to me because I'm in agreement with that. I'm not in agreement in the same sense he is if he's not going with the righteousness of Christ as his banner because um, we're just supposed to go ahead and fulfill and carry out our, our, our commission, and we don't care what the wicked complain about, and we don't care. We're supposed to bring it all under the dominion of Christ. You know what I mean? That's the commission that was given, whether we yep. like it or not. And, and the thing about it is, is it's going to happen whether we like it or not. Because he spoke it from his mouth, and it will happen. His word will not fail. The question always is, is it going to be your generation, or is it going to be another generation? That's something to think about, isn't it? Yeah. Well, I got a number five for your, uh, your numbers there. They're not entering the kingdom, and neither do they want you to. Yeah, yeah. All right, man. Well, I know it's nine. Uh, we will close up here. If uh, somebody would like to have some closing prayer, anything that somebody's uh, in need of or anything, we certainly can uh, put that up in prayer. So... Um, I guess thank you guys to think about is, um, you know when the um, with this whole COVID thing where they say that the the hospitals are over capacity or at capacity or three quarters capacity, you know what that means? We have staffing requirements at the the hospitals for nurses and doctors and whatnot. And if they lay them all off or they laid off half the staff, that cuts their capacity in half. So it's not that there's more and more patients. They're laying off the doctors and the nurses, and that cuts the capacity standards. Yeah, so what you're saying is they've already made cuts and they haven't brought them back. Right. They're operating just like in, uh, the companies are. You know, certain people are operating at home, certain people are cut back, and certain people are on unemployment until we're back at full capacity. So, yeah, I, the whole thing with the numbers thing is just such a tragedy and such a skewing of the numbers and, and all the rest of it. It just It just goes on and on and on. And it, it takes vigilance to try to stay ahead and 
and uh, and keep abreast of the numbers and how they're how they're tweaking them and everything. Well, so, wait, wait a minute. We've been told over and over and over the numbers don't lie. But have they <laughs> once told us that liars manipulate numbers? No. No, they, no, haven't. they haven't. And growing up, we all know we all know about accountants and juggling the books, don't we? Right. And, and that's what Rich is talking about here. It's yep. numbers to fit the narrative, right? Cooking the books. Cooking the books, exactly. And how much more can we sit here and take? It's fraud. Fraud. Yeah. It it absolutely it absolutely it's lawlessness, like you said. It's just absolute. It's more than fraud. It's absolute lawlessness and. And until the righteousness of the Christian, uh, you know, as the song said, when the Saxons begin to hate and they rise up and they hate evil and they hate evildoers, I don't care whether it's black, white, red, uh, or anything, when they will rise up and hate the evil and the evildoer, uh, then that will be a day that our our Creator and Redeemer will certainly look upon as a day of, of uh, well, by George, it looks like they've got it. Well, I, I'm not going to let you by with this, Doug. You send me this thing about accidental death in the hospitals. Yeah. The numbers are staggering. They don't they go are. down every morning, do they? Oh, yeah, 560,000 no. people died by uh, accident in the hospital yesterday. Well, it, it's not, it, yeah, it's, yeah, that's an annual figure, you know, but as I say, um, you go to CDC, and it's not in the top three, but you just type in, you know, the search, uh, you know, of uh, how many people die to medical, you know, error, and you'll get, Dozens of articles that will tell you the number is a quarter of a million, 450 million, and okay. even approaching. Okay. Divide it by 12, Doug. I don't care. Exactly. I mean, that was the first number that I showed my wife as I said, look, I said, you take just medical, and since she had read Eustace Bullins's book, she knew huh? instantly and could put that in context. And I said, you take that quarter of a million number, you take a half a million number, and you take 20 times 12 is 240,000. There are 20,000 people uh, a month dying. And I said, we're not even anywhere close to the, to the medical error number. That's taking heart disease and, and the other top two out of the way. Go ahead. Uh-huh. And can't you just see at one of the ballrooms somebody coming to Pelosi and saying, hey, man, we're shutting this thing down. People are starving. Can't you just imagine her saying, well, get them. don't we have some extra cake back there? UPS yeah. some cake. And, and then when... What you, talking about. She's never worked and, a day in her life. 
and then you and then you you look at this medicine and how medicine kills and you look at a 10-year estimate of you know more than seven and a half million people um you know that is just you know well hey but why is this important doug here's why it's important every time a discussion comes up about this fraud the people go but people are dying People right. are dying, and you're laughing this off as fraud. People are dying. People have always been dying. Always. Every day people die. Is that – what am I missing here? A bunch of them die every day, don't they? Yeah. And we, we and don't they... get that report after the weather, before the news. Here's the death count today. No. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> talk about a news report. Okay. So, so let's. That's what. See, that's what I say, Russell. When you have this, people are dying. You sit there and you say, okay, wait a minute. There's a quarter of a million to a half a million people die every every year due to medical errors. So imagine for a minute you turn on the nightly news, and on the nightly news they give you this statistic, and they say. There was okay, so twenty. Let's say twenty thousand deaths uh, a month. What's that? Uh, that's that's like seven hundred a day or something like that, right? Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Uh huh. So so you say you so you say there were seven hundred people died today, and and so now then you get on the nightly news tomorrow night, and they say seven hundred people died, and then at the end of the month. They say it was another 642 people died, bringing the total for the month of 20,000 people due to medical errors. And then you ask that person that says that asinine thing, say, would you be standing there saying, when is somebody going to do something about the people dying? Or, or better yet, we can't <laughs> let our kids go to school. They might have people to are dying. To people are dying. Yeah, well, these people are dying, Russell, these people are dying in a hospital. They're not dying. Um, you see, these people, you see, there's a difference already. That, you know, this goes to the thing I did in the thing on the race, because this goes to the issue that the cognizant dissidents, you see, because they will have problem with still the COVID because that's something you can get from somebody. These people are dying because they went to a hospital and somebody gave them something and they died. That's different. That's different than just walking down the street and somebody sneezes and they give you something and you die. And it's like, wait a minute. One guy's got a white suit on and he gives you something. One guy doesn't have a white suit on and he gives your daughter something and she takes it and dies. And then some guy walks down the street and he sneezes in his elbow and he misses his elbow and he catches you on the way by. Did all three of these people do the same thing? Absolutely. They're dead. <laughs> and, and, and it's like there's just no it, – it's logic. Logic has left the building. <laughs> Amen. And – and where are good people? In mass. 
We're not. I, I, I'm nothing. I can figure this out, and I'm nothing. Where are the good people in America that say enough is enough? It's time to start drawing up. Um, what do you call it? Impeach the governor plans. I mean, no I doubt. It's it, it's impeach governors. It's it's legislators. I, fortunate, fortunately, in Wisconsin right now, they they immediately when he gave the order uh, for August first, he did see he gave the order on a Sunday, and said it would go in effect on Monday. So right away, our legislator filed a brief with the United States Supreme Court, and you know we'll see oh, how quickly. That's a good right. place well, to get law and, law and order with your state right. Supreme Court. You know, they feel lucky. They feel like they won the last one and they're going to win another one here. And um, I don't know, you know, I've got no faith in those courts because um, I've seen what they do. So, uh, yeah, it's, it's well, pathetic. Well, well, wait a second. Now, John Rogers sided with the, uh, with the liberals this week. Doesn't that make him a liberal? Robert, supreme conservative grand poobah. When you side with the liberals four years in a row, at what point do you get to join the liberal club? Yep. Yep. Okay, I'm going to bed on that one. All right, well... Sounds good. Well, let's have some closing prayer. Heavenly Father, we do thank you so much for the opportunity you give us to share and fellowship with one another. Father, we thank you for that which you've been doing uh, in opening people's eyes, the things that you've been bringing to us to make us aware of, uh, how we've been able to share them through technology. We thank you for all of that, Father. We thank you for, for the work you're already doing. Uh, ahead of us, far ahead of us, knowing what we need and what our needs are long before we can even ask. But, Father, we ask, we continue to to pray that your people's eyes will continue to be opened and that, Father, we will one day return to you and turn away from this uh, wicked idol uh, and worship that we have of this this godless government that, that we've We've allowed to rule over us. We've rejected you. So, Father, we pray that we can be more enlightening to those to see the error of our ways and that we would come back and return to you. And, Father, we need a few victories, some victories that we don't want to rest in, but we need some victories to to keep people trying to move in your direction. And as long as you can show us the victories that are victories that are won and fought because we invoke you, uh, then I think we've got a better chance of, of, of the people that you want to see singing. Father, I know that you know better than we, and so we give thanks and praise and glory to you for working within us in whatever way we can and through us you can work your will. Thank you for the opportunity and ask that you continue to guide and direct us. We see, ask for protection upon our leaders that they would turn from their evil ways and they would turn their hearts to you. And you told us that we should pray for our leaders and so we do keep them in that prayer, Father. But we're beyond just leaders right now. We need miraculous intervention. We're looking forward to it. 
to thank you for helping to us to see and be aware of your workings every day. In Jesus' name, amen. Lord, let me add let me add to this, Lord. Let me just pray that you would give us those of us that are listening courage, wisdom, and the power of recall to recall your word when we get our test so that we can pass it, Lord. So we cannot be deceived. And the only way I know that we can beat the deceptions is remember your words and your commandments. So, Lord, that's my prayer tonight, that we remember your commands. And I pray to God we all pass the test, Lord, because we're going to be tested. Thank you for it, Jesus. Amen. 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 All right, man. We shall check in with you all again next week. All right. Good night. Good night now.